Hello and welcome to this episode of the Daily Walk Heaven Words podcast. This is Father Stanislaw and I'm so grateful that you gave me the opportunity to break open the word and share with you what I understood the, the word telling us, telling me. It's always an opportunity and a privilege to share the word and I hope that the Holy Spirit will inspire you to answer the very big and important question Jesus is asking us. Let us bow our heads and pray. Let us pray. O God, who caused the minds of the faithful to unite in a single purpose, grant your people to love what you command and to desire what you promise, that amid the uncertainties of this world, our hearts may be fixed on that place where true gladness is found. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus went into the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter said in reply, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him in reply, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, You are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly ordered his disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Gospel of the Lord. As a church, we are taking another step and we are moving closer and closer to the Father's heart. And as we open the word today, we hear Jesus asking us this incredibly powerful, simple, but powerful question. And each one of us must, must absolutely answer it. Even by not answering it, it's an answer. So we want to, at least I want to put up my antennas up and say, you know, I better listen and welcome the question so that I can answer it. The question is, who do you say that I am? In the gospel narratives, we see that this particular episode, this passage is incredibly important. After this confession of faith, after this little dialogue, things start change. 
But we need to, again, answer the question, who do you say that I am? In other words, Jesus is saying, who am I for you? Up to now, we figured out who we are for him, for God. Now the question must be asked, and who am I, who am I for you? For me, you are everything. Who am I for you? You know, sometimes these things, these questions should not really surprise us because there are times in which we know that even in our relationships, we find a moment in our lives when we have to answer this question. It's mostly experienced in a time when we fall in love with someone. Right? You realize that the person in front of you is no longer just a friend, is no longer just someone, but now you want to know, who am I for you? Right? And what happens after that question? Everything changes, for the good or bad. It's the same in our relationship with God. Even when people get married, you know, it's always good to find some time to say to one another, this is you, what, who you are for me. Just like we find it in the gospel every single year, we find these questions coming to us. Well, we need to do it in our life as well. But because our relationship with God is a real relationship, it's also good to take some time to enter into the depth and the mystery of this question. In this particular case, we learn a lot about ourselves. and We, we also learn a lot about God and we want to look at what's happening to Peter so that we can avoid the mistakes he made and also follow his good example. So what's happening? He says something, says, you are the Christ, you are the Messiah. The word Christ is always attached to the word Jesus. And for many people, it sounds like that's his last name. Christ is the English transliteration of the word uh, that in Hebrew is uh, a Messiah the anointed one. So it's a title. And Peter gets it right. But Jesus says, you're going to get it right. You got it right because God told you. The Father told you. You cannot make that on your own. What happens when we try to make it on our own? We can come up with the most bizarre answer about who Jesus is. And we can come up with things that really match our own expectation of Jesus. And we, in, in turn, we do not love and respect Jesus for who he is, but we want him to be whom we want. How do I know this? Well, the first question that Jesus asked the disciples is just as interesting as the second one. The first one is, who do people say that I am? I don't know. I guess he wanted to know, you know, who's reading the emails? How many subscribers do we have to our Twitter uh, feed? You know, how many likes do we get every time I post something? And what are they saying? Well, some people say, you're John the Baptist. Like, dude, we were together a couple of months ago. How can I be John the Baptist? Right? But isn't that sometimes we say the most bizarre things about who Jesus is? We didn't even think about it. Oh, God. He takes it. He doesn't say anything. Did you notice? In my movie, I think he just rolled his eyes like, 
But then they go into these other things. You may, you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets, you know, like a generic, I don't know. But so everybody seems to have a particular thing in mind, a particular category that Jesus had to fit in. We have been saying this uh, and learning that whatever God is giving us in Christ is unique, cannot be compared to anything else in the world. Nothing comes even close to the fact that God is revealing himself to us through Jesus, who is God. Do you understand? So it's very important, even though we may retrieve some categories in our minds, you know, Jesus is this, Jesus may be that, you know, but always make sure that we let God tell us who God is. And in order to do that, we really have to constantly listen to what Jesus says about who God is. And we learn that whenever we, the more we learn about who God is, the more we learn who we are, and therefore how we can live fully the life that we were created for. You see how important this passage is? Because it's right in the middle, allowing us to understand who Jesus is so that we, by understanding who we are, we can make the choice to follow him. And I'm pretty sure I'm not spoiling the movie here. We know where the plot leads us, right? To the cross and resurrection. We saw the movie, correct? We, we know how it ends this story. So it's a, it's a pretty powerful story, so keep coming. Um, good, so we now know this particular thing. We must make sure that we let God tell us who God is. Because without this revelation, we can make things up about God. And remember, whenever we make things up, we create an alternative catechism which will allow us to behave according to what we believe. Now, who is Jesus? Well, he is the Messiah. Good. That is a very specific title that God revealed to Simon. But it's so precise that it can be misunderstood. And I'm going to give you a sneak preview for the next episode. Peter, just under the, the Holy Spirit, he gave us the most precise understanding of, of who Jesus is. And in a couple of minutes, it's going to mess up so much that it's going to be funny. So come back and we will talk about that passage next time. Good. So now, why do we need to sharpen our understanding of who the Messiah is. Because saying that Jesus is the Messiah is like looking at the diamond. It's so beautiful that every time you turn, to, I'm making this big, like, like, no, there is no such a thing as a diamond in space, right? But, um, uh, you know, every time you turn it, you see something more beautiful in it. So, for my, in my case, I was reflecting on this, and it says, who is Jesus for me now, based on whatever we have been learning to these past months about Jesus. You remember Jesus told to, uh, talked to us and told us many parables. The sower, the, then we talked about the parable of the great treasure found in the field, the parable of the pearl of great price. Then we saw him multiplying bread so that his own people could be fed. And then we even saw him encountering us in the storms of life. And he's inviting us like he invited Peter to walk on water. 
But you remember, all these things had something in common. We have been learning that in order for us to walk on water, we have to do two things. You remember what they were? Get off the boat and keep looking at Jesus. Because sometimes we want to have a miracle, but guess what? We, want to, we don't want to get out of the boat. Like, you come here. I'm good. So there is that conversion. We have to face whatever uh, creates anxieties. We have to face all these things in order to encounter him. But Peter began to drown when he took his eyes off Jesus. And he became aware of the storm. So... For me, I w as I was reflecting on this, and I was preparing for this liturgy, and I was preparing to bring my answer to the altar today, I said, you are the Messiah, comma, the one that I want to look at. Because we have been learning that wherever we look at, that's where we go. You remember the story of the bicycle, when you learn how to ride a bicycle. If you keep looking at the tree, guess where you find yourself in the bicycle? Right at the tree. So, he is the one that we want to look at. We want to keep our eyes fixed on him, and as a Messiah, he will lead us to salvation. Good. Now we know that we don't have to make anything up, because we want to let Jesus teach us who he is. Then Jesus talks about today, the, about the gates of the netherworld. And there, are, there is something interesting that we need to figure out here at this particular time. Jesus is in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And there are, at this time, there are different towns, and some of them show up in the gospel called Caesarea. Caesarea refers to Caesar. And there is, excuse me, Caesarea Maritima, because it was on the, on the sea. But this one is Caesarea of, of Philip. And it's a Roman settlement, and at the time of Jesus was under construction. They were building it up. It was pretty big. But apparently there was a cave in this city that people believed was the gate of the netherworld. If you would go there, you would go, this is the soul in hell. I don't know how many went there. but um, So could very well be that this reference was triggered by the fact that they either know or he passed by this cave and he said, you are Peter, and on you I will build something interesting. And the gates of the netherworld will not prevail. Okay, so let's find out this. I think I find it incredibly beautiful that Jesus changes the name of Simon and calls him Peter. Now, we are so used to the name Peter that we don't understand, probably, where this word comes from. It's a nickname. Okay? Now, in Greek, the gospel is written in Greek. The words have grammatical gender. I don't know how many of you study Spanish, French, or Italian. These are languages that have a grammatical gender. And just by changing the gender, the meaning of the word changes. So, Jesus is saying to Peter, you are Petros. Petros is um, a brick. Something that you can build something on, but something that you can also stumble on. Jesus is basically saying, you're a brick. In Italian, Neapolitan, we would say, capatosta, hard-headed. Have you ever heard that expression? Okay. So he is identifying Peter for his personality. And in fact, the relationship between Peter and Jesus is quite rocky. 
And yet, in spite of the fact that they are going to fight, we saw the movie, right? He is going to deny Jesus three times. But in the end, he's also the Petra. So Jesus said, on this, you are Petros, and on this Petra, did you hear change the, the, the gender? I will build my church. So the Petra is that boulder that is safe and secure. You remember the parable of the house that Jesus said, you don't build the house on sand, but you build it on rock. There will be a Petra. There will be a sure foundation. And he's saying, when you, even though we might fight, even though you may betray me, at the end of the day, you are someone that I can rely on. You're going to be there. I found this incredibly encouraging because Jesus is using Peter's personality to say, bring it to me, give yourself to God with this personality, and I will do something about it. I can use you for the kingdom. So Jesus is relating to me, he's relating to each one of us, and he says, you think you're struggling, you cannot be a disciple because you lose your patience? Come to me as impatient, and I'll do something about it. So we don't have excuses, because as we heard not too long ago, it says that nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, not even our shortcomings. You don't seem to be as happy as I am about this. But I, I, I am, because I said, you know, I can bring myself totally to God, and he can, I, everything of me can be used for the kingdom. So, all right. So he's basically saying that whenever we remain assembled together on the rock, we are in the safe place. We are building a place that can stand. And he's saying nothing can touch this assembly, this church. Remember, the word church comes from this concept of being gathered out of something. Now, it is very possible that the enemies that come from the gates of the netherworld, they are going to uh, attack us, they are going to ridicule us, they accuse us, they even take our buildings and build condos. I don't know. It doesn't really matter because nothing and nobody can touch us as a church. They can, so we can struggle, but in the end, for as long as we are on that rock, nobody can touch us. No? Okay. So, this is good news because, again, Jesus is helping us. But this happens when we give the right answer to that question. When we allow the Holy Spirit to inspire us to say that Jesus is the Messiah, he is the Lord, we jump, we get on that rock and remain there. And it is there that we can experience the power of the keys that have been given to Peter in a special way. In fact, if you remember, the Vatican flag has a logo, that has a sign in there with two keys that comes from this passage. But we too can use this power of the key. You see, this little tiny object can, keep, can open and close big doors of very important buildings and very tiny huts. So the keys help us to keep things out of the house or let things and people into the house or just open up to get fresh air. We have that power. We who claim Christ as Savior and Messiah, 
we who want to keep looking at him constantly so that we go in the right place, we who want to be on the rock have the power to say there are certain things in my life that needs to get out of my house or, or my soul. Maybe there is too much negativity. Maybe there is too much stuff coming in. Out. Maybe I need to let him a little bit more prayer. Maybe I need to let a little bit more relationships. Well, in. You understand? We have that power because we share it in the midst of the church for as long as we are on that rock. How awesome this week is going to be for all of us. So as we continue to pray, we want to thank the Lord that once again He's revealing Himself to us as a Father who loves us so much that He's giving Himself to us and He now wants to know, who am I for you? Am I meaningful enough for you to say, this is who you are, I want to follow you. Are you appreciative enough to understand what God is giving us? Something unique. He's calling us to be His children and He's inviting us to take courage and get on that rock, stay on the safe place, so that together we can continue to assemble, we can continue to witness to each other, we can continue to build this new way of living life, which is called the church, and witness to all world, to the whole world, starting with our own little town, that God's love indeed changes our lives, and we are in for the greatest adventure ever, living a life as a child of God. It is indeed a challenging page of the gospel, but together we must find an opportunity to answer so that indeed by the way we live, the gospel, the way we love each other and our neighbors, we can witness to our people that we too, moved by the Holy Spirit, revealed it to us directly by God. We know that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Isn't that a wonderful opportunity for us to live the gospel and uh, witness the love of God to our people. I wish you well, continue to pray for all of us who are involved in the ministry of the Word as we pray for all of you. God bless and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.